We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rumors and speculation have been swirling about Lamar Jackson, but they are rarely based in fact. So we turn to the guys who've been around number eight since he sustained his injury last month. And Jackson's teammates told reporters what's really been going on with their QB, and it's awfully telling. I'm Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It's Wednesday, January 18th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault. So a slew of Ravens participated in their exit interviews on Monday and answered big-picture questions related to their futures. That included veteran Calais Campbell, so sound from him and others coming up just ahead. Plus, the Ravens' 2022 first-round draft pick has been finalized. They will select at spot number 22, and we'll discuss which positions most need an upgrade from the first round. We have all that and more on deck. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news in about 15 minutes. So there was no shortage of speculation as to how serious Lamar Jackson's knee injury really was and still is. Multiple reports said he'd be back in one to three weeks, which set up unfair expectations from the jump back in early December. So when he didn't return that quickly, speculation obviously spread like wildfire. Michael Vick said Lamar should slap a brace on it and get out of the field for the wild card game. Skip Bayless said he quit on the team and even added that it was the right thing to do. Plus, Sammy Watkins just last week initially said he wanted Lamar to hobble out onto the field and give his team whatever he had. Yeah, but Bobby, as we know, even Sammy Watkins had to walk back his comments and said he was just being selfish. And on Monday, teammates defended Lamar for missing that wildcard playoff game by shedding more light on what was really going on behind the scenes with number eight. Now, many of them said they didn't even expect to see him play, given what they saw of him just walking around and rehabbing at the team facility in Owings Mills. Here's Marlon Humphrey, Chuck Clark, and Ronnie Stanley. He's like limping around the facility. That's kind of the crazy thing that people don't see, obviously. So obviously we knew he wasn't going to be able to be out there with us. You mentioned seeing him around the facility, I guess. Was it pretty obvious that he was still... Yeah, no, I mean, no, you could tell that he, he's not all the way there fully. So, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think he was gonna go out there anyway. You know, uh, I never once questioned Lamar's, uh, 
you know, tactics when it came to his body. He knows what's going on in his body more than we all we all know. You know, Sarah, that was an awfully telling comment there from Marlon saying that Lamar has been limping around team headquarters. Like, if he can't even walk without a limp, it's hard to believe he could dodge oncoming defensive linemen, run the way he normally does, or even just drop back in the pocket with any sort of ease. And Marlon's comment does line up with what Jeff Zerebeck has been reporting on Twitter for weeks. Like he says he spotted Lamar limping around the locker room on more than one occasion. Right. And I also want to return back to Marlon because there's more. That was just a small snippet of what he said. Bobby, we all remember when Lamar posted an update on his knee just before the wild card game. Remember he said that he had a borderline grade three sprain, which means his PCL was nearly completely torn. Then Lamar added that he couldn't give 100% to his teammates. So that last line was completely misconstrued by naysayers as him holding out for a contract because maybe he's 99% and still not playing. But Marlon Humphrey explained that Lamar was not even close to his full self. With Lamar being out, you know, obviously he's, he's, he's a great quarterback, but, you know, uh, a 50, 60 percent Lamar Jackson. I just don't think he really was healthy enough to really go out there. I think you know he kind of made that clear with the tweet he said. You know, I think a lot of people. There's a lot of speculation with him not having a contract, this, that, and the third. But you know, I mean, I don't even know if I should say this, but he's like limping around the facility. That's kind of the crazy thing that people don't see, obviously. So obviously, we knew he wasn't going to be able to be out there with us. But um, hopefully, we we sign him to a big term deal, and he's you know. He's a raven with me forever. Yeah, there's just no way Lamar should have been out there if he's only operating at half of his normal self, Sarah. Players might be able to play at 90% or maybe even 80 to 85% if they're gutting it out, but 50 to 60, no chance. He wouldn't have been able to protect himself at the point with D lineman breathing down his neck. And honestly, moral of the story for me is that wouldn't have been good for Lamar individually or really the Ravens offense as a whole. Yeah, and Bobby, just to dispel one other rumor, which is that Lamar was a, quote, slacker in his treatments. Well, we already know a source told the Baltimore Sun that he had perfect treatment attendance. But to add to that, Calais Campbell had some words. Now, if you'll remember, Calais Campbell was also dealing with a knee injury toward the end of the regular season, and he missed two games because of it. So Calais actually did treatment with Lamar, and he could see how much effort his QB was putting in. Here's what Campbell had to say about that. Quote, I was rehabbing with him. I know he put in the work. He just didn't get back in time. I truly believe he worked as hard as he could to give himself a chance to play. Close quote. Sarah, was there anything more from Ronnie Stanley that he had to give? Because, I mean, his perspective would be pretty interesting since he obviously came back from that ankle injury too soon in 2021. We know what happened afterwards. He played in one game and that forced him out the rest of the year and it required another surgery after that so for him to finish this season the way he did I'd have to think that uh, there's a lot of optimism in that corner of the locker room yeah and what's interesting about Ronnie's situation is that he was not in the middle of a contract negotiation when he was injured so nobody assumed he was holding out but instead other unfair narratives were spread about him where some said because he had already gotten paid he didn't care about coming back or others said he was just soft and injury prone but that was unfair We've all seen it. Like you said, he's come back strongly and he had to stay strong and stay out and listen to his body the second time around and not listen to the naysayers. And he did. He waited to come back until he felt comfortable, which wasn't until week five of this last season.
Now, in the end, listening to his body paid off because once he felt healthy, he was able to return to a dominant form and performed Bobby like one of the best left tackles in the league. So he's been a huge proponent of giving Lamar space to get healthy in a place where he feels comfortable. You've talked about the importance for you of not, of not playing until you felt entirely comfortable with, with, with your body. I mean, did that did that give you maybe a different perspective on the Lamar situation over, over, over the last few weeks, do you think? Yeah, 100%. You know, uh, I never once questioned Lamar's, uh, you know, tactics when it came to his body. He knows what's going on in his body more than we all, we all know. And, you know, I felt the same about my situation. And, you know, there's a lot of things that may uh, – look you know good to the normal eye that may seem like someone can you know uh, perform but when you do this at a high level you you know uh, if you can be effective or not and uh, uh, I trust Lamar and he knows he knows that same uh, that same thing and uh, yeah so that perspective definitely uh, uh, helps so all these comments from Lamar's teammates this week have been significant and telling but it does leave a burning question on many fans and media members' minds, Sarah. And that is, why didn't John Harbaugh or these same teammates that we just heard from say all this earlier? It, like, it would have cleared the air and taken a lot of pressure off of Lamar, but there was silence. Yeah, I think that is a very fair question. And you'll notice in that Marlin clip that he said he wasn't even sure if he should have said that Lamar had had a limp. Now, I can tell you the Ravens are very tight-lipped with injury information at least during the regular season. They're much more open about it in the offseason. So players and assistant coaches even are taught to defer to John Harbaugh for all injury questions from the media. Now, many fans don't agree with it, but the Ravens believe it provides a competitive advantage. But now that the season is over, that excuse can't be used anymore. And I fully expect John Harbaugh to be asked about the whole communication of Lamar's injury when he has his end-of-season press conference Thursday at 2.30. That is going to be fascinating how both Harbs and general manager Eric DaCosta handle all the questions that are definitely coming their way. But still to come here on The Vault, what does the future hold for players like the aforementioned Calais Campbell and Chuck Clark? They speak just ahead. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Bobby, it's been that kind of week. We're just now getting a chance to review 
what some players said during their player exit interviews on Monday at the Castle. It's been that kind of week, and don't be surprised if it's that kind of offseason in Baltimore at the rate we're going, partner. But yeah, let's begin with veteran defensive end Calais Campbell, who at 36 years old just completed his 15th NFL season and third with the Ravens. Could retirement be on the table for the big fella? I don't think it would be wise to decide so quickly. You know, I think you have to go through a process, you know. And so um, and I'm going to give myself, you know, a few weeks and kind of go through that process and, you know, decide, um, you know, after that. But, um, you know, it is, it is definitely, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to walk away. <laughs> That's for sure. So, you know, we'll see. You know, I'll talk to the... You know, to the you know to the front office and um, talk to the coaches and you know I think uh, you know I mean there's a there's a chance you know I could be back here again next year you know it's just I gotta go through that process. Bobby Calais is literally just one one sack away from the career 100 club. Now I'm not sure that'll be enough motivation for him to stick around, but we've seen how difficult it can be for the all-time greats at their position to walk it away. Exhibit A is Tom Brady in recent years. You can almost tell that Calais seems to be wrestling with it right now. Man, I just love his grit, his toughness, his resiliency. Like, I hope he takes the reflective time he needs and ultimately makes a decision that makes the most sense for himself and his wonderful family. I'd honestly find it hard to believe if the Ravens wouldn't want him back. But again, we'll see. Lots to discuss in the coming weeks when it comes to cap. And when it comes to free agency and all those decisions, they're going to have to be made by Baltimore's front office. But let's next discuss safety Chuck Clark, Sarah. And I know we're in complete agreement when I say that this dude showed you who he is this season. He reminded you who he is. A consummate professional, a defensive leader, and a guy you can count on. Reliable, durable, you name it. It wasn't all that long ago that Chuck found himself in the middle of off-season trade rumors after the team acquired Marcus Williams in free agency and then used the 14th overall pick in April's draft on Kyle Hamilton. I mean, it was like bang, bang, bang for Chuck. Yeah, and yet, Bobby, when his request didn't come to fulfillment of being traded, he refused to waver. Chuck showed up to every single session of voluntary OTAs and handled himself in this manner once training camp rolled around. Chuck, is there a point, though, where you didn't expect to be here at this time or you didn't necessarily want to be here at that time? I mean, it, it was definitely time I, I didn't know what was going to happen, honestly. And, I mean, whatever was to come with that was going to come. So, I mean, I, I, at one point I did feel that way. But now that I'm out here with my team and I'm just like, I'm here, I'm locked in. They're going to get what I got for right now. And then, so whatever comes in the future is going to, you know, that's what's going to come. Given all that speculation, most people thought you wouldn't be at voluntary, and there you were on the field participating all of them. Why was it important for you to be there? Uh, me personally, I just felt the situation that I was in, um, how things were going. You know, of course, yeah, I did ask, can I get it out of here? And so I felt like that didn't happen. And, um, I wasn't just going to give away my spot, you know, given with other people that are around me, I'm not going to give away my spot. I'm going if it's going if I'm going to not be a starter, it's going to have to get taken from me, you know, at the end of the day. So that's just how I felt. And at the end of the day, I'm going to work and I'm going to show up and do what I got to do. Yeah. And guess what? It never was taken from him as he went on to start all 17 games in the 2022 regular season slate. Reporters caught up with him this week during locker room clean-out. We'll figure it out. We can talk through the next couple weeks and whatnot, but I don't know. Do you have a sense of what you want to happen? 
Yeah, I know what I want to happen. I mean, I mean, it ain't up to me at the end of the day. I mean, I would like to control it, but we'll see. And is, is that to stay here and keep, keep doing? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, this is a team that drafted me. You know, I, I've been here all my career, comfortable here. I know the know the guys, the locker room, the environment. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes my guys step out of comfort zone. You know, I mean, you never know what's gonna happen. Well, Chuck is under contract for one more season, so we'll see how things play out with him and the front office in these coming weeks. But how about the pleasant surprise that Ben Powers was this season? He started all 17 games at left guard, which, if you'll remember, coming into camp was the only big question mark on the offensive line aside from Ronnie Stanley's uncertainty at the time. Yeah, a lot of disappointment with the season ending. You know, whenever it ends, it's heartbreaking. A lot of work goes into it, a lot of time, a lot of effort. So when it ends, it, you know, kind of gives you, you know, you need 24 hours to really comprehend and understand, you know, what all it took going into the season. How do you plan to approach the, you know, your situation this offseason and the uncertainty that exists there? You know, I just take it day by day and see how that goes. You know, this is my first time being a free agent, so I, to be honest, I have no idea what to expect. Do you wish to be here? I've enjoyed, no, I've had nothing but great experiences in my last four years at Baltimore, you know. But with that being said, I, I do not know what the future holds. So, Sarah, I know we saw this making its rounds on Twitter this week. Well, you saw it. I saw it through my burner. But uh, Ravens offensive line coach Joe D'Alessandris awarded Powers with the team's cinder block honor, which goes to the top offensive lineman organization-wide. What a story Ben became. And now he's up for free agency. So, again, you know, time will tell. And he clearly has no clue what's going to happen. This is a new experience for him. But a heck of a comeback for a guy that really was not established until this season in Baltimore. And finally, OG Justin Houston just put the finishing touches on his 11th NFL season with a sack and a QB hit in Sunday's loss to the Bengals. The 33-year-old logged nine and a half sacks on the year, which was his most since 2019 in Indianapolis. He reflected on a number of things on Sunday in Cincinnati. The way I feel right now, I'll be back. I just... We'll see if the chips work out. I'll be here. You know what I'm saying? That's out of my control. That's, that's, we'll see what they what they do. You know what I'm saying? I would like to be back here, but... Did this, did, this, did this season reinvigorate something for you about loving this game or, or anything like that? Oh, uh, uh, yes. It was it was a fun year. You know what I'm saying? Anytime you make it to the playoffs and have the opportunity to go chase the Super Bowl, it's, it's very fun. So, then it wasn't the outcome I would like or desire it to be, but it was fun. What's the process you go through in the offseason in determining... You know, sounds like you definitely want to come back and play, but just what is that process like for you and kind of going through that? I take a couple of weeks off just to let my body rest, mentally rest, and I just pray and talk to God and just let him guide me through the offseason. You know I'm saying then I get back to work. I don't take too much time off because it's, it's hard to get it started once you cut that car off, so I try not to even cut it off. I just let it keep it running. So I'm going to work out still. Just, you know, let's, let's see what happens. All right, Sarah, you can put it in ink. The Baltimore Ravens will officially have the 22nd overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft come this April. Yeah, that spot was finalized after the Tampa Bay Bucks lost their wild card playoff against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, had Tom Brady and the Bucks pulled off a win, the Ravens would have gotten the 21st pick. But the Ravens have only picked at that 22nd spot once in franchise history, and that was back in 2005 when they selected a wide receiver. 
It was Oklahoma's Mark Clayton. You know, partner, this is pretty interesting here. At this moment, we're taping this on January 17th, the Ravens really don't have a ton of picks in this year's draft. I mean, they'll only have five total selections, which is about half as many as last year when they had 11. Now, they traded their second rounder and one of their fifth rounders to the Chicago Bears for Roquan Smith, which I think we can probably all agree were resources well spent. And they also traded away their seventh rounder as part of a bigger deal with the New York Giants for guard Ben Bredesen a couple years ago. And don't forget, for the first time since 2010, the Ravens are not expected to receive any compensatory draft picks. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if Eric DaCosta does some wheeling and dealing between now and the draft or even within the draft. But as you said, for now, the Ravens are working with the one first rounder plus a third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. So I obviously recognize it's early. We're sitting here in January, but looking at the roster, looking at need, looking at potential availability, maybe even early on, what do you predict the Ravens will do at 22? Bobby, I actually did a poll on that very question on Twitter Tuesday. Now, looking at the roster, the Ravens are pretty well established at, honestly, most positions. They're stacked at safety. They're stacked at tight end. They're stacked at running back and at offensive line, even with Ben Powers maybe leaving. They're in pretty good shape at defensive line and outside linebacker, too. Now, at those positions, they could still use some reinforcements, but I don't know that a first-rounder is absolutely needed. So that leaves a wide receiver and cornerback as the two most pressing areas, especially if Marcus Peters doesn't return. He's an unrestricted free agent come March. Now, for now, they can lock up Lamar Jackson with the franchise tag unless he demands a trade. And in that case, the Ravens will have a lot more picks to deal with. So, as I said, I asked my Twitter followers if they'd use the pick on a wide receiver, on a corner, or if they'd trade back to get some extra picks. Here are the results, Bobby. <laughs> Not surprisingly, wide receiver won the vote with 58%. Cornerback was second at 24%. And only 11% wanted to trade back, and I did have an option for an other and 7% of the people went there. Now, I personally could go either with a corner or a trade back. Now, I think wide receiver is for sure the most pressing need on this roster right now. But I guess I've just lost faith in the Ravens' ability to draft and develop at that position. Bobby, in past episodes, we've been through the team's draft history before at receiver in the first round. It is truly abysmal. So I'd prefer not to waste another first rounder there and instead use it on a corner that could maybe be a franchise cornerstone. The Ravens have a much richer history at finding gem corners at the back half of the first round. I'm thinking of Marlon Humphrey and Jimmy Smith. So that's where my mind is at. But Bobby, what about you? What would you prefer? Sarah, I guess I'm just going to be cautiously optimistic, probably even to a fault here, and hope that they keep on swinging at the wide receiver position and don't miss, right? I know, I knew you'd, I knew you'd appreciate that. I'm, I'm desperate at this point, right? And they might be too, who knows? But as much as selecting a high-level corner makes complete sense, I feel like they can find a player who could be just as effective through free agency. Now, last year's example was Kyle Fuller, but he was, of course, lost in week one to the MetLife Stadium turf up in the Meadowlands. I wish we could have seen how that would have played out, but that was that. 
So, Sarah, I'm going with a big body wide receiver at 22, and then they'll have to handle corner depth in later rounds while hopefully also addressing it in free agency because we've seen it year after year in Baltimore. Depth at that position, when it goes, I mean, you just it's hard to compete defensively, especially against the likes of a Cincinnati who we all know can kill you on the outside and, and through the air. And before we fly, some other quick news items you need to know, beginning with this highly anticipated announcement from the Ravens. Not exactly the one that you're probably looking for, but head coach John Harbaugh and GM Eric DaCosta will address the media this Thursday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. We will, of course, be reacting accordingly to whatever is said right here on The Vault, so stay tuned for that. In other news, Lamar Jackson has posted several Instagram stories in recent days that, honestly, due to his uncertain future, have been under the microscope more so than usual. Now, one story was a repost of this quote. When you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you got something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of of you too, close quote. Other Instagram stories from Tuesday featured photos of him in his number eight Ravens jersey. Obviously, all of this is at the center of the NFL world's attention. It's all you can really see, which is interesting because we're smack dab in the middle of postseason, yet you go on ESPN, you go on NFL Network, this is all the pundits are talking about. And Sarah, including Good Morning Football's Jason McCourty, who thinks this AFC team should pursue Lamar if there's a chance that he becomes available this offseason. New York Jets, if you can go get Lamar Jackson with the way their defense played this year, they rank at the top of every stat you can look at defensively. Points allowed, yards allowed, top five and all of those things. As soon as you flip over to the other side and you start looking at the offense, they're at the bottom of the NFL in every category. They just moved on part of ways with their offensive coordinator, so that opens up the door to get somebody that can run an offense that best helps Lamar Jackson, Jackson to succeed, and they have weapons on the outside, probably more than he's ever had at Baltimore, which would allow him a ton of success. New York Jets, you're ready to win right now. If you're going to give up to go get Derek Carr, somebody like that, if you have an opportunity to go get Lamar Jackson, go all in, put your assets up, and bring LJ to the Big Apple. Elsewhere, the Cleveland Browns have hired Jim Schwartz to serve as their next defensive coordinator. The Baltimore native and Mount St. Joe alum won a Super Bowl as Philadelphia's D.C. back in 2017. And finally, Raven safety Kyle Hamilton is headed back to Notre Dame this spring semester to finish up his degree. The 21-year-old left school after the first semester of his junior year to prepare for the draft, and he says he's around 17 credits away from graduating. Hamilton plans to take digital marketing and finance classes after a hugely successful rookie season in Baltimore. Thank you for listening to The Morning Vault. We created our show to keep you plugged into all things Ravens. So if you've been enjoying our content, please tap that follow button and share it with a friend. You can also catch us on YouTube by searching The Vault. And we'd love to hear from you with comments, questions, or if you'd ever be interested in advertising. You can reach us by email via BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. That is all the time we've got today, but be sure to check out our instant reaction episode 
to Ravens Bengals from this past weekend's wild card round. If you haven't already, we did a ton of Q&A and we hope that you find it useful.